0: Hey everyone, the It's All Journalism team wanted to remind you that we have an email newsletter where you can get all the latest news about our podcast. Go to our website, itsalljournalism.com, and follow the link to subscribe. Thanks, and enjoy the episode.
1: More than nine students pass away that semester. Some were from suicide, some were from other causes, but it was a very tragic and traumatic semester, especially, you know, for those of us, like, who knew people who had died,
0: Many newsrooms are finally beginning to address the mental health crisis in our industry, and it's a crisis that affects all levels of journalism, including on college campuses. Now there's an online toolbox to help student journalists deal with the overwhelming stress they may be facing. I'm Michael O'Connell. Welcome to It's All Journalism. Eileen Toe and Natalie Bettendorf are two of the three leaders of the Student Journalism Wellness Project. Based out of the University of Southern California, the project is a guide to building healthier newsrooms and journalists. Eileen and Natalie, welcome to It's All Journalism.
1: Thank you so much for having us. Yeah,
2: thank you so much.
0: So first of all, let's talk a little bit about your backgrounds. Eileen, how did you get interested in journalism?
2: Yeah, so I actually got into journalism around the time I was 13 or 14 years old. I was actually struggling with my writing, and that's just the easy way out for me, where I was just, when I was picking my high school elective, and I ended up doing journalism throughout my four years, I just thought that that would help me become more of a conscious newsreader and writer, and it definitely did really help, but I think what really stuck out to me was profiles, that was something where I think I was just very fascinated with people and how they work, and what makes them tick, and what they want to do, and In our high school community, it's really, really small, and everyone kind of knows everyone's stories, but that's just kind of like what we thought. And I think Profiles was just a really great way for us to learn more.
0: And how about you, Natalie?
1: I actually got into journalism when I was about 14 years old. I grew up in Berkeley, and I went to this incredible program called Youth Radio. They're now called YR Media, but they were NPR's Youth Desk. And while I was also on the high school newspaper, I was doing an exploring radio and what was offered to young people in public radio. And in that space, I really looked at these different forms of storytelling and I felt really passionate about that. And so I think that's what really kind of caused me to pursue journalism in college, especially since, you know, NPR had their headquarters over here in the West Coast in Culver City. And so I had a couple mentors who were like, you know, you should be in LA and you can keep doing radio. You can keep writing. There's a lot of opportunities for you here. So I stayed involved with journalism all throughout undergraduate because of youth radio, I think.
0: Are you primarily interested in broadcast?
1: TV and like broadcast TV is probably like the least interesting to me, but definitely like, you know, broadcast radio and public radio is a space that I am very, very interested in.
0: It's so funny. We say broadcast now, but for a lot of people, a lot of journalists, it's really digital. That's the umbrella word that, that we use for that part of our industry. How about you, Eileen? You know, what did you study? What, what was your track?
2: Yeah. So for me, throughout USC, I studied global health, which is very pertinent to like now. I think that for me, initially it was profiles and just like in-depth reporting. And now I think it's more of a health reporting that's what I'm most interested in.
0: Were you able to do much of it during the COVID?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think that I was the main person who was doing the COVID coverage just from around August of 2020 till this January. So every week we had to kind of go to like a student media briefing with our chief health officer at student health at USC. So that was really, really fun, actually, just because we were able to kind of work with the numbers and the data for people who tested positive in covid or just were in quarantine or anything like that and just trying to create a story from that and just relay that to the public.
0: Oh. And it's you know, it's a once in a life healthcare story, hopefully knock on wood, it's a once hopefully, in a life. yeah. <laughs> that you got at least got an opportunity to do that and hone your skills on that. So, I think uh, before we get the ball rolling on a discussion of, about The student wellness project, we should talk about Karan Navadia. What is his story and how does it relate to the project?
2: Yeah, so Karan, he was our really, really good friend throughout college. And so I first met him when we were both news reporters at Daily Trojan back in 2017. He was just such a light, always massaging us at like the tables whenever we were trying to edit a story. And we were just really, really stressed out or just burnt out in general. He was just so great. And he was definitely like the glue that held us all together. And he's the reason why we're all still close to this day. I think that what really made Karin special was that he just loved media, but he also knew what to do to make it better. So he always said just to be critical of the media that you love so much. So one of the things that he did at USC and just that Daily Trojan in general, was that in the spring 2019 semester, that was a particularly tough year for us in general, just because that semester was when the college admission scandal broke out. And USC was just kind of at the forefront of that. So all of us were just trying to scramble like every day for just weeks, just trying to cover that breaking news. And for him, it became a question of how can we f- change our newsroom so that we can actually place wellness at the forefront of everyone's minds so that we can actually work together to cultivate a better environment for us. And from there, that's where Karen and Natalie actually started working together on this wellness initiative for Daily Trojan.
0: And I guess the reason that we bring Karin up is that he committed suicide.
2: Yeah, he died by suicide September 11th of 2020.
0: Okay. So what's the impetus for for the project? what made you think that this would be a good thing to do?
1: Yeah. So Karin and I, like Eileen said, we worked closely together in the spring of 2019 and that's when Karin and I were working on the podcast section. So we were, you know, thinking of ways that we could expand our newsroom outside of just the print the printed copy of the paper. And one of those things that we thought about and that Karin came to me with was this idea for a wellness initiative. You know, mental health, particularly in a journalistic space is something that he was really passionate about. And so he had this idea where he told me, you know, Natalie, we could make, you know, this new position of a wellness director, and they could focus on, you know, how to make the newsroom a healthier space. So that summer of 2019 is when we worked really closely together on forming this new program for the daily trojan newsroom so we kind of worked on that together and i think that's when i started developing my interest in mental health and reporting on mental health you know that was another really tough semester following that spring we actually had more than nine students pass away that semester Some were from suicide, some were from other causes, but it was a very tragic and traumatic semester, especially, you know, for those of us like who knew people who had died and those of us reporting on this phenomenon of, you know, the amount of students that had died felt so overwhelming that it was hard to function as a student and as a person on this campus. And so that was a story that, you know, I covered as a wellness director, I started reporting more about how to cover suicide in a healthy way. But fast forward to, you know, the the summer of 2020, this is the Kaylee Finney Memorial Scholarship. And this was, you know, scholarship for students in USC Annenberg, so the journalism school, to propose projects that could get grants that would raise awareness in spaces around mental health and, you know, start these conversations. Karin was very interested in the scholarship. He ended up applying. And he kind of ran this proposal by me. He had a couple ideas and this project was one of them. It was a toolkit, an online toolkit for professional and student journalists to refer to if they needed help with you know, taking care of themselves in the newsroom or what they could do to better support themselves. So all that is to say that you know, Karin passed away shortly before the deadline of this scholarship And so, you know, I felt, you know, this responsibility to make sure that this project was carried out as him being the creator. And this is something that Eileen and I felt very passionate about, too. And so that's why we worked together to make sure that, you know, Karin's idea was carried to fruition.
0: You know, in 2019, the American Psychological Association published its APA Stress in America survey and found that 91% of Gen Z adults said they had experienced at least one physical or emotional symptom due to stress. Does that statistic surprise you?
2: Not at all. I think that Gen Z, just as far as I know, just from the people that I've surrounded myself with, we are all pretty capable of like knowing that mental health is something that must be a priority in our lives. So I think that I've had just more conversations with people about mental health and just how people have been really stressed or really burnt out, how some people are struggling with their eating or struggling with taking care of themselves and working out and just finding ways to relax. I think just even at Daily Trojan, that was definitely an issue that we've seen. But I think that a lot of us, we were also just really wrapped up in breaking news and just so much that we just couldn't really focus on that so much until Karin actually brought that up as an issue that we had to address. But I think it's just not very surprising. I think a lot of us deal with that. And I think that what's great about like projects like this and just projects that are related to mental health in general within Gen Z adults or just student journalists moving forward is that more people are willing to talk about this.
0: As journalists at the beginning of your career, what are some of the unique stresses that, that you're facing that maybe you know other types of students or even working journalists may be facing?
2: I think compared to other students, we have a full-time job. So on top of a full-time academic schedule, we also have Daily Trojan. So this is just for, for Daily Trojan, but for us, our normal schedule was that Sunday through Thursday we have production. And what that means is that for our classes, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we actually have to edit just from the beginning of that day. So a lot of the time during class, I'm actually not paying attention to my classes. I'm actually just editing a sports story or a news story or whatever is coming in that day. And then until it's like 5 p.m., we have to pretty much have those stories edited. And then once it's 5 p.m., until whenever we finish, we, that's when we have production. That's when we go into the newsroom. That's when we actually lay out everything and we start doing more and more edits. And I think that with that schedule, we really just had no break aside from Friday and Saturday. And even then, a lot of the time people are using that extra time to report or whenever there's breaking news, honestly, that can hit any time. So that could be during class, during our weekend. Honestly, the college admissions scandal that broke 7 a.m. of like the first day of spring break for us. So. I think that's when compared to other students, this isn't just a club or just another involvement. It really became kind of our lifestyle. And I think that trickled in into stresses of a lot of people just not being able to take care of themselves. I think that when you're in college, you're adjusting to a whole new type of lifestyle and a whole new type of rhythm where you're trying to learn how to cook for yourself, maybe. Or you're trying to just figure out what to do when you're away from home And when you're a student journalist, I think that a lot of that can be easily sucked aside sometimes just because you have breaking news that day or you have to cover something that day.
0: When's your final deadline?
2: Final deadline? Yeah, in a day. Normally, it's like that day. Like I think that within the hour for breaking news, that's when we want to finish it up. And sometimes that takes longer than usual because we're waiting for lawsuits to trickle in or something like that. But normally that day, we have to get it done.
0: Okay. I guess the way I should have asked that was, are we talking about a print or print and online?
2: Yeah. So we are a daily print and online newspaper. And I think that what that means is that 5 p.m. till whenever we finish, which is, I think the earliest I've gotten out of the newsroom was probably 10 p.m. or something like that. And that was a good day. But mostly we have to kind of go around that midnight deadline. But there have been days where we've been there until like 3.30 a.m. because we just couldn't finish.
0: Are those position paid positions? Do you earn a salary by doing that?
2: We do earn a salary. I think that some people have said that compared to just how much we're working, because it's more than, I can easily say it's more than 40 hours a week. We're not paid to that. Like, I think that a lot of people have said that there are also financial barriers just because you're not getting paid as much as you should be technically, So That's another issue um, separate from just even just mental health.
0: And the only reason I ask that is because, you know, sort of some of the things that you describe, you know, I think of a lot of college athletes who are on scholarship, how they have to work in their study around everything and their travel and classes and their practice, that it's a full day as well you know, they get a scholarship, there are people who argue they should get paid for games they play, etc. That's not what this discussion is about. But I was just, it just was curious about that. I was thinking about that. So, you know, I, I went to journalism school, and, and I understand the idea that one of the reasons you take these classes, and especially one of the reasons why you work on a student publication is, you know, you want to get experience, you want to have that experience of working in a newsroom. Did you feel that as you were doing these jobs, and you were sort of taking on the stress? I mean, did that give you a preview of, of the type of career that you were going to have and maybe even give you second thoughts as to am I on the right path?
1: Yeah, this is really an interesting question because it's something that Eileen and I, you know, have been discussing recently and a conversation that I've been having like with myself too of, you know, where to go from here. I think for many of us, you know, who worked on Daily Trojan, especially on the editorial board. I mean, this newspaper was our entire life and in the good and the bad ways, right? And there was so much to be gained, I felt as a journalism student who, you know, was very passionate about reporting on issues that I felt like could make a difference. And so that's why I focused on reporting on my community and working on the student newspaper. And so I think for me, like, the thing that's important to note is that the Daily Trojan is one of, this is pre-COVID, obviously, like, but pre-COVID is when, you know, we were one of the few college newspapers that still prints every single day. You know, for example, the Daily Bruin at UCLA, they don't print every single day, even though they're called the Daily Bruin, they used to, but they understand that they can only put out, you know, print copies every other day or every few days, but that is something that is adds to the immense stress of this job of working on a paper that prints every single day. And like Eileen said, ends up with us staying there late into the night because we have a print paper to get out. It's a model that is, you know, I think becoming increasingly not sustainable when it comes to regards for editors, mental health and ability to take care of themselves so I think for me, I personally have had some feelings of, you know, I've written stories in Daily Trojan and for, you know, other outlets too, where I've received this, you know, really awful feedback or people, you know, we live in a culture that is not very nice to a lot of journalists when people write things that they don't want to see or they don't want to hear. And so I think I viewed journalism very differently, especially as someone reporting who's reported on death and reported about grief, and those are things that really are hard to talk about, and they're hard to write about, but they are issues that I really care about, and so I think tackling those has really taken a toll on me, and really forced me to think about, you know, what what's my path in journalism, and, you know, maybe being a reporter means trying other things in life, and not just being, you know, so attached to the grind culture that comes, especially with student journalism.
0: Let's go back to talk about the the project for a second. What type of resources are there available for students?
2: So we have a number of resources. So some of them are contacts for help. So that would be like the National Suicide Prevention Hotline or the Trevor Lifeline, or even just for USC students, like what are some contact numbers that you can have in order to address your mental health concerns? But we also have some stuff from Daily Trojan, but also other student newsrooms and papers and just other like media reporting that we've seen around mental health within student journalism or just journalism in general. So from Daily Trojan, we have one of Karin's columns and he wrote so many columns, but I think that one of my favorites and one that really stuck out to me was from his column called Dear Rita Skeeter. So that's like Rita Skeeter from Harry Potter. And it was basically a column that he used in order to just talk about issues within the media. So for this one, he talked about newsrooms needing to prioritize journalists' well-being in order to prevent burnout. And this was, I think, the first time where all of us, just as a staff, also just realized like this is a problem that we are facing too. And I think that that's just because with the journalism industry having all of these systemic issues, such as overworking is glorified. And- hustle culture about it I think that kind of trickled in and reflected in our own newsroom so while we were editing that story we were like oh my god like this is so right this is something that we shouldn't be facing on a day-to-day basis this is something that we have to collectively address and that was the first time I think that a lot of us started to listen about mental health in general and so this column from Karn was something that is really close to my heart we also have Natalie do you want to talk about your letter
1: Yeah, so I wrote this letter that was to and from, I would say, the editorial board. That was at the beginning of the fall 2019 semester. And I basically was laying out all these things that Karin and I had discussed in launching the wellness initiative at Daily Trojan and why it was important for us to start addressing mental health in the newsroom. So one of the things I discussed in the letter, which is on the site, is The goal for the initiative to be not only external, right, which is we wanted to put out more content about mental health and covering events on campus that addressed um, students' well-being, campus well-being and what self-care looked like among the student body, but also internal, right, within our newsroom. How were we taking care of our staff? Because we understood, and this is what Karin and I talked about, that to put out the best content we had to be taking care of ourselves and unfortunately that's the mindset we had to take which is thinking about how can we keep a sustainable model within our newsroom is really just thinking about the you know our minds and our bodies that are putting this thing together so i think you know for me that that was something that was really important to put up on the site because it kind of was the guidelines to our thinking with the initiative. But I will say, like, for the last thing of the, you know, the resource that I find, you know, the most important on this site, is particularly the, the testimonies from students who, you know, all over the country. We even have a college student from Nigeria who wrote in, and she's a freelance journalist, and she wrote about what it's like to be a writer and also be navigating her her own mental health in a country where that is not a discussion that's not something that happens within her school or community. And I was just blown away by the responses that Eileen and I received when we posted these call outs and asked for student journalists to write in about what their experience has been like working in a student newsroom and this was high school and in universities. But it was flooring to read these testimonies of students who had gone through such similar things that we had in the Daily Trojan newsroom of struggling to sleep, you know, not eating enough because there was just so much work to be done, how much people put their publication above themselves in wonderful ways and very harmful ways as well. So I think reading those testimonies is a wonderful resource also to know that you as a student journalist, is not, they're not, you're not alone. And that's an important thing for the first step of realizing if you need to get more help, professional help, or realize if, you know, one of your peers needs help as well.
0: So both of you, you know, you're at the beginning of your careers here and you've had this experience and you've, you know, saw the need for mental health support for journalists. As you're looking forward to advancing your career, beginning your career, are you looking for, places to work, companies to work that have some sort of mental health support, you know, ingrained in the in their company?
2: Oh, definitely. I think that this year, for me, I think I learned that I need to set myself healthy boundaries. I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression disorders back in uh, freshman me too. <laughs> year. Nice, <laughs> twins. Uh, but also, I think this past year, I think that I was able to realize that there was just so much going on mentally that I just really needed to address that. And I also need to figure out ways to make sure that I'm actually in a healthy space. So I think for me right now, I'm actually taking like an indefinite break from journalism. I'm going into marketing at Microsoft, which is very different. But the thing is that for me, I needed to know that I was gonna be somewhere where I would be able to take off like mental health days, where I was able to have some time off for myself. Or that like I could work from home on like some days. And I think that like the place where I'm working at, like 50% of your week now can be done from home if you want to. And that's totally okay. And I think that for me, that's something that I needed to really sit down with, like with a bunch of therapists and just really work it out. Because I think that a huge part of Karn's legacy actually was, and this is something that I learned while reporting, I guess, for his obituary and interviewing a lot of people in his lives, a lot of people decided that they wanted to prioritize therapy and prioritize getting help for their own mental health. And that's something that I definitely did too, like right after he passed away. And I think that this is something where it's not just up to myself, it's also just kind of creating boundaries for myself. And that had to do with like what career I was going to choose right after college. So right now I'm like, I think I'm happy with with what I'm going to be doing right after college but I think that like years down the line I think I told myself that if I'm still excited to do journalism not because I think I have to and not because I think I have to impress other people but if I just want to do it for myself and I'm excited about that then I'll go back into it and I think that's something that it took like months of therapy just to kind of accept that and tell myself
0: that. I'm glad you're getting you're getting some support and uh, you've been diagnosed and you've been recognized that this is something that you need to pay attention to. You know, as somebody who has an anxiety disorder, I can tell you that it's easy to see in a situation that you described at the college newspaper that you could be of a mindset that this is the path that I've chosen, but it's really kind of difficult for me and I'm having all of these problems. Does that mean that I'm not good enough to get this job this doesn't mean I'll never get a job and you very easily you can fall down that pit you know what type of resources would you like to see newsrooms have
2: Natalie do you want to start off with this one
1: yeah this is you know something that Eileen and I talked a lot about when we were brainstorming how to carry out this project I mean you know as you look at the website you can see that it's not very high tech right we didn't Spend a lot of time in the back end of making this website. What I found the most important is because we had a limited time to finish the project to receive the scholarship recognition. You know, I'm not very savvy on the kind of coding end of things. That's why we use just kind of a WordPress template. And so I wasn't super concerned with the design as much, especially because Eileen and I are really passionate about the upkeep of this website. We don't want it to just sit there. We want it to be updated if people want to submit their testimonies or kind of change as needed and make sure that it's still staying up to date with resources that hopefully professional and student journalists can find useful years from now. And so, you know, I think the thing that we thought about in terms of what we would want to see if we both stayed or went back into journalism in, you know, coming years is that It's important for newsrooms to have kind of this stronger kind of HR department that focuses really on well-being and kind of making sure that staff management is really prioritizing its reporters and its other staffers in making sure that they're taking care of themselves and they're not working too hard. And one of the biggest things that I think is really kind of pertinent to that is when you know, as journalists, we are storytellers and we take our stories home with us. And we think about the best way that we can tell people's stories, especially when they're traumatic and they're heavy and a source has entrusted you with telling their story. And so I think making sure that there are people to check in with different staffers and make sure that they're doing all right, actually professional counselors maybe in different newsrooms. I'm seeing more and more like in this discourse of mental health kind of on social media and as people talk more about their struggles in the workspace and kind of taking steps back, I'm seeing that there's there's actually a lot more companies that are coming forward and, you know, actually making sure that they're employees have access to therapy if they want it. So kind of making that normalized in workspace culture that goes beyond just a newsroom, I think, and kind of starting those conversations. And then, you know, the last thing that is very, very real, you know, as kind of cheesy as it can sound, but the team building stuff is so real. That's something that Karin and I felt so passionately about is You know, on Daily Trojans, we felt kind of disconnected from the staffers, especially, you know, people who were just joining as writers and didn't come into the newsroom as much as the editors that's really important for people to feel a sense of community and a sense of belonging, because there are so many studies that show that when people feel this sense of belonging, it increases their happiness and it increases their ability to work and feel motivated. So that is all really important for me in a workspace in the future, whether it's in journalism or not.
0: That last thing is a really interesting bit of insight to throw out at this point, as many newsrooms are debating... You know how to bring, or whether to bring their staffs back into a central newsroom after having been working remotely for over a year. There's some companies that are being pretty adamant about, you know, hey, you have to come back, and then you also have groups of journalists who are saying, no, we want to be able to have some flexibility in our lives, and some of that is being able to work remotely. People, you know, journalists weren't talking about mental health issues in the same way we're talking about them now, years and years ago, certainly not when I I started. And, you know, we've had a few podcast episodes where we've had different people talk about this as an issue. And I think certainly with with the pandemic, a lot more people are thinking about self-care and the type of career they want and what is rewarding for them. And when is it appropriate to stay late and work long hours and to trade off parts of your, your life so that you can make a deadline. And the reason I wanted to have the two of you on the podcast is because I was really heartened to see that somebody has sort of stepped forward, extra, extra double points for you both being students, that recognizing that this is an issue that needed to be addressed in college as well, in college journalism as well, because it's some it's certainly something that that's being talked about in newsrooms right now.
1: Yeah, we really appreciate this, Michael. I, I'm so glad that like you actually understand too what it is like to tell people stories and also struggle, you know, yourself with your own diagnosis of having a mental illness and, and coping with that and figure out the best way to take care of yourself. I mean, that's something that like Eileen and I have talked so much more about is how do we normalize these conversations? You know, as you said, I think in decades past, it's been something that in journalism, you're supposed to be objective and you're supposed to remove yourself from the story. And I think now in this like discourse and what we want to add to that conversation that's happening around mental health and journalistic spaces is that we are all human and we all have these very complex minds and we all want to feel a sense of belonging. And we all, you know, have different things that we're bringing to the table, and especially if you have struggled with a mental illness, I think that there is, there's a certain strength that you can bring with empathy and, you know, understanding when someone's struggling and you're actually figuring out how to tell a source's story. And I think as, as soon as, you know, editors and people in management positions at other newsrooms recognize that, and learn to support people better. That is what I see the future of journalism being like in a sustainable form. And so these conversations are so important. And we're just really happy that you took the time to recognize our, our site.
0: Well, no, I'm really happy. And you mentioned two things there that could get us talking for another 30 minutes. Empathy. I mean, there are journalists who don't want you to be empathetic to this, You know, the, your sources or to the people you're covering. At the same time, there are people arguing about, you know, how do we engage better with with audiences? Well, you know, maybe part of that is empathy. Maybe that is understanding what their problem is. And then that feeds into objectivity, which there's pushback now upon this, you know, this idea of people questioning whether reporters should be objective. You know, the SPJ is like, oh, no, we've, you know, these are our you know, this is what makes our interest or industry different. We have these, these rules that we have to follow and objectivity is one of blah, blah, blah. But there are a lot of people questioning that. Where is the journalist as a human being? I think there are a lot of younger journalists who are asking those questions. What does it mean to be objective? You know, how involved can I be in a story? And it all ties into the, the mental health discussion as well. Before we sign off, I know, was it you, Eileen, who said that you're going to marketing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not, I was only doing that just so I know who said it. Okay. So I could say to Natalie, what, not that I'm going to criticize you for, for trying to maybe earn some money. It's all good.
2: It's, it's like, it's, I've seen journalists who've said that on Twitter and then sometimes I'm like, Oh no, oh,
0: no, no. <laughs> I'm gonna, I <laughs> no, 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 no. Everybody. I mean, this is part of the deal. I mean, you, you're, you, you figure out what's important to you and, and what the path that you want to go. <laughs> I'm just not that you need my permission or my <laughs> approval. It's just, you know, that's your life. You live the life you want to live. But Natalie, what is it what are you looking toward as far as your career goes?
1: Yeah, so like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I'm wrapping up school in December, so I have one more semester left at USC. But looking forward, I definitely have been thinking about the different things that I'm passionate about and, you know, one of those things is teaching. I love kids. I love elementary school kids. And I did a teaching program a few years ago that I loved. So that's something that I'm definitely considering. But I also really feel deeply that journalism is a place that I feel that I will be or will come back to if it's not the path I take after I graduate. The way that I think about it too is if I would do something different after graduation, I would love that to inform my reporting and make me a better journalist. And I'm just so fortunate that I've gotten to do so much journalism for really almost like the last eight years, really. And I'm very excited to see where that all takes me because I feel like I've had just so many incredible experiences and met so many incredible people on Daily Trojan and beyond who are informing me of how to make this industry better because I want to leave it better than I found it. I think that for just
2: both of us, like regardless of what we're going to be doing career wise, I think both of us are just very, very passionate about trying to deconstruct like the newspaper or journalism industry just so that it can prioritize mental health at the forefront of it. So I think that whatever we do, like I'm still going to be like, just as like what Karin would say, like be critical of the media that you love. Because at the end of the day, I personally like I love journalism. I love reporting. I love writing. And I think that it's given me such an appreciation of not just the work that journalists do, but also just the world around me. And also just it's taught me empathy. And it's allowed me to actively participate in it as well. And I think that that's separate from just something that I am critical about, which is the industry itself. Like once you put it into like, a company or I don't know, capitalism, I think that's when things kind of get swept aside like mental health. So I think that that's something that if I ever go back into it, or just regardless of whatever I do, I would still really love to talk about mental health, especially within this journalism industry.
0: I've been talking to Eileen To and Natalie Bettendorf, two of the founders of the Student Journalism Wellness Project at Annenberg School at USC. Thanks for coming on It's All Journalism.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us.
0: You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter. You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere good podcasts are found. If you'd like to help us grow our podcast, like and share our episodes on social media. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicole Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Capre wrote our theme music. Amelia Brust helped with our booking. Steph Thomas is our social media manager. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Thanks for listening.